What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron. And if you're out there and you're 0 2 and you're down bad and you think your fantasy season is over, I'm here to tell you chin up. All right. I'm in like 15 plus redraft managed leagues. Math just works out in a way where some of them I am 0 2. So what do we do from here? We make moves, we grind waivers, and we trade our bad players for good players. We're wheeling and dealing like we're out here at the New York Stock Exchange. So today, I'm going to help you guys out. We're going to talk through my five must-buy and sell trade targets, a couple buys, a couple sells to help you guys get your team in a better place. So before we get into that, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like if you enjoyed the video. Let's go. Thirsty, thirsty, trying to choose. I mean, I know I'm pretty cool. Now, fellas, up top, this is my buy of the season. If you're out there and you have FOMO on all of these rookie wide receivers, right? Garrett Wilson looks amazing. Drake London looks amazing. They're out here putting up 20 plus point performances. They both look like the second coming of CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, all of these really exciting young up and coming wide receivers. The next guy, I believe is Traylon Burks. And don't tell me, you know, the breakouts have already happened, whatever. We see multiple wide receiver breakouts. We had Jamar Chase early last year. We had Amon Ross St. Brown down the stretch. And I'm not saying that Traylon Burks this next week is going to explode. But for my money, after Garrett Wilson, after Drake London, the wide receiver I think is going to lead all rookie wide receivers in points per game from like week eight on, week seven on. My money is on Traylon Burks, and he's the perfect buy low here. He's only the wide receiver 51 in the season. He doesn't even have a game over 10 fantasy points. He also played on Monday night, so he's sort of out of, you know, out of sight, out of mind. He's an afterthought, and he hasn't done anything in terms of production to warrant an owner even wanting to keep him around. He's almost, I, I would say in more casual leagues, he's probably a cut candidate for some people. But when we dig deep into what Traylon Burks has done so far, a big breakout is brewing. Now, when we look at... The rookie wide receiver report. I put this on the top 10 takeaway show, but I updated it to show Traylon Burks after the Monday night game. And we got some huge signal. He goes in week one from 36% of the routes, right? So he's like wide receiver four, wide receiver five on the depth chart behind Nick Westbrook, behind Kyle Phillips, behind Robert Woods. And he comes out in week two, even though they get slaughtered by the Bills. I think it's actually better they get slaughtered by the Bills because it almost gets hidden because he didn't have a great game. It was an ugly game altogether. But he played 73% of the routes before Malik Willis came in. So just with the starters, Ryan Tannehill, all of those guys, he was a 73% of the routes guy. If you look here, Garrett Wilson was 72%. So he's right there. He is now very easily the wide receiver three. He's even pushing to be the wide receiver two. All he really has between himself and a 90-plus percent route participation is Nick Westbrook-Akine. I think that that is going to be very easy for him to leapfrog. Now, it's not just that he is climbing the depth chart. He was the most targeted wide receiver for the Titans in week two. And his per route efficiency looks amazing. He joins Garrett Wilson and Drake London as the only wide receivers above 10 targets in the 30% target per out run, two plus yards per out run, 75 plus PFF grade club. On a per route basis, Burks looked like he belongs with the Londons, with the Wilsons. He just needs more playing time in a better game script than what was on Monday night. Now, let's also not forget, you know, per route efficiency looks amazing. He's climbing the depth chart. But Garrett Wilson and Drake London, they were top 10 picks in the NFL draft. Those are special prospects. 
Traylon Burks, he's not the same guy. Well, I would counter that. And I don't think it's really understood in the redraft community how good of a prospect Traylon Burks truly was. Now, this is going to be a little bit weird for you guys. I'm actually going to take it down here for a second. This is going to be a complicated screenshot, okay? But this is from my prospect model that I made in the offseason, right? So a lot of the Dynasty guys are on this channel, super familiar with this, but it's my RS grading system where I take into account, I'm putting this into the simplest terms possible, draft capital, production, athleticism, film, and then based on that, it runs the numbers and it gives each player a score out of 10. Traylon Burks out of 10 was a 9.1. That is an elite grade. These are all of the elite wide receivers. Now, the only elite wide receivers that were in this draft class were Traylon Burks, Drake London, and Garrett Wilson. They were the top tier here, and Traylon Burks was ahead of them. Now, it's not by a lot. Really, all you really care about is the tiers here, but it is worth noting that he is in that same area as a prospect. And these players who fall into the elite tier, they hit top 24 wide receiver, wide receiver seasons at a 85% hit rate. He has the talent. He's moved up the depth chart. He looks great on a per-route basis. All of the signs are there. Now, this is a huge upside swing, right? He could get the full, full participation of the routes and not be the guy he was on a per-route basis. Or he gets the, the routes, and he's out there as the wide receiver one for the Titans, and he is a league winner down the stretch. The crazy part is, man, is you don't really have to pay a ton. Now, don't go out there and, you know, give a good wide receiver. Like, don't go out there and trade a Juju Smith-Schuster for Traylon Burks. But this is a trade value chart from Reddit. It's just a good stock trade, you know, value thing to just sort of see where the market is at. Traylon Burks is valued as a 3.5 behind guys like Naeem Hines, Raheem Mostert, Alexander Madison, Khalil Herbert. Like, guys you can cut is where he's at. I would take Burks over Tyler Boyd, Curtis Samuel. I would take him over. I would take him over Jacoby Myers. I would take him over Jahan Dotson in, in seasonal. I would take him over Darnell Mooney probably. Naeem Hines, Jamal Williams, all the running backs on this list. You even have the quarterbacks and tight ends. I would take him over all of the quarterbacks and tight ends on this list besides probably Brady and Hawkinson. But again, when you're making a trade for him, super cheap. Like Hunter Renfro, I would do as well. Like if you can. If you can maybe even just sneak in Burks on the backside of a deal, like maybe you go out there and trade for a stud, but you get a stud plus Burks for your two pretty average players, I think that's a great move to do as well. I'm telling you guys, try and sneak him onto your roster. He shouldn't be super expensive to buy, but if you want access to that next rookie wide receiver breakout and you weren't lucky enough to draft a Garrett Wilson or a Drake London, I think Traylon Burks is next in line for a big breakout. Now, the next buy candidate we have here, I probably should have said it at the top, but the way that we do these videos, we talk about three buy candidates and then two sell candidates on the back half. And our second buy candidate here is Dalvin Cook. And it's weird because I wasn't super high on Dalvin Cook. I wasn't super low either, but he was a guy who went around like 107, 108 in drafts. He was my 111, and that doesn't sound like a big gap, but it means I didn't really end up with him anywhere. I'm, I'm underweight on Dalvin Cook across the board, but... I think he's a great running back buy right now. If you need a running back or you want to swap, you know, like a shitty hero RB like a Najee Harris for a better one, and you just kind of make up the difference with a bench player, I think that's a good move to make. Now, when we talk about rest of season, we have JT, McCaffrey, Saquon, and then I would do a small little tier gap to like Eckler Swift. And then I think Dalvin Cook belongs right there in the top six running back rest of season, uh, rest of season conversation, despite only being the RB 28 on the season now because he's the rb28 
if you got that production from your first round pick running back, you're probably down bad. But the underlying usage is strong, and that's truly what wins out here. We have a, a huge sample of Dalvin Cook being a good fantasy running back, being a good running back in the NFL, and his usage is really strong. This is a great tweet from Jacob Gibbs. He's been uh, somebody that I was put onto. I believe that he worked with Ben Gretsch at CBS. I'm not sure yet. I could be, I, I could be completely screwing that up, but he's been like a, a new great Twitter follow for me where he tweets out all these route involvement threads and tweets and all that. It's really good info. And an elite route participation is like 60% plus, right? When we look here, we have Eckler at 62%. We have Aaron Jones at 62%, McCaffrey 67%. So Dalvin Cook at 81%. Now this is just the first half of the Monday night game, but it was a blowout. They started rotating in Madison. He was at 81%. He was at 79% in week one. He's not an elite target earner. Like he's never going to earn the targets that an Aaron Jones or an Eckler can, but just being out there on that many routes gives him a huge lift where he's never heavily been featured in the receiving game and it's not going to start, but he's at least going to be a guy that's going to challenge for like 60 plus targets at this point. He saw six targets on Monday, only six carries, but that was in an ugly loss on prime time on the road. You have to imagine they want to get Dalvin Cook more involved moving forward. So I think that there's going to be days here of like 15 plus carries, five plus targets on an offense that's going to move the ball here where Jefferson looked amazing in week one, Kirk Cousins looked amazing in week one. I still am super bullish on the Kevin O'Connell offense. I think better days are ahead here. If you could do four, if you could do like a two for one of an RB, like let's say like you could do Najee Harris and Nick Chubb for, or Najee Harris or Nick Chubb, and then add like Christian Kirk or James Robinson for Dalvin Cook, I would do that all day long. So if I could do like, Najee Kirk for Dalvin Cook, I think I would. If I could do Chubb Kirk for Dalvin Cook, I probably would. Anything like that. If you could just take guys who have been really good as of recently, plus a mid, you know, like a really back-end RB1, like a Chubb, like a Najee, I think I would be trying to make moves like that. Then our last buy candidate for today, CeeDee Lamb. And this one's actually really exciting, man. I will say... It's an absolute shame that Dak Prescott got hurt because I, I do think that those of you guys who drafted CD, I'll admit I didn't draft a lot of CD. I have him on one managed team. I think I'm just below market in best ball. Probably like the on market would be 8.3%. I'm probably somewhere like the 7% range. He was going very high, like one, two turn. I like the more as a mid second. But if you drafted CD Lamb, you got a bad beat, man. We needed to see two things from CD Lamb this year. We needed to see him become a full time wide receiver and improve on his 81% route participation last year. Elite wide receivers are in like the 99% plus. We, you have to be on the field in all situations so you can get those targets. We also needed him to get an alpha target share, where he only had a 20.4% target share last year. That needs to come up. Now, through two weeks with CeeDee Lamb, he's done it. When we look here, he has gotten his routes from 81% to 98%. Now, by the way, this chart is from Dwayne McFarland over on PFF. He does amazing work. But CeeDee Lamb is there. He has taken his routes from 81% to 98%. He has taken his target share from 20% to 29% through two weeks. But he's only the wide receiver 44 on the season. But if this usage, I mean, this is, this is top five wide receiver type usage. Like this is what Devontae Adams will look like. This is what a Cooper Cup will look like. This is everything that we've wanted for CeeDee Lamb. As soon as that comes back and if this usage carries over, He's very easily a top six wide receiver rest of season. That's why I think he's probably the perfect trade target for teams out there that are 2-0, right? If you're 2-0, and 
let's say the CD Lamb owner is like 0-2. He's down bad. He's panicking. I would try and do some two-for-ones, right? Maybe he doesn't have a lot of depth. Maybe he got hit with an injury. Maybe you go out there and you take two players. I don't, I don't love long-term, like somewhere in the range of like Christian Kirk, James Robinson, Jeff Wilson, Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen. Bundle like two of those guys for CeeDee Lamb. I think you could maybe get that done. But again, I would just I would try and get one of those flash in the pan guys. I'm not going to call it like Christian Kirk, James Robinson aren't flash in the pan guys, but these are early season producers. Curtis Samuel's another one. I think you take one of those guys plus like a boring Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen. You try and sell the guy on, hey man, I'm giving you more depth. Your team is garbage. You have Rex Burkhead in your second flex spot. I think that's the way to go about it. If you're in a position where you can sort of take on Ceedee Lamb being a high end wide receiver three until that comes back. Now when we go on the other side of things to the cells. I listed just all of the Washington wide receivers. I think you guys are going to absolutely hate this one, but hear me out. I have all three, McLaurin, Dotson, Curtis Samuel. I think they're all cells here. Now, this is for sure a great passing environment, right? Washington has been amazing. Wentz is second in the NFL in passing yards. Washington is sixth in pass rate over expected. They're airing it out right now. But I do think all of these wide receivers, right? We have McLaurin, we have Jahan Dotson, we have Curtis Samuel, you have Antonio Gibson out of the backfield, McKissick out of the backfield, you have Logan Thomas coming back. I hate to say a lot of mouths to feed. There is a lot of mouths to feed here. And they've had two really game script friendly games here in a shootout versus the Jaguars and then a shootout with the Lions. I don't think this is going to be a team moving forward that gets into a lot of those games, right? They're probably going to be trailing a lot more where they're going to have the garbage time, but I don't think they're going to have like the 28 plus point outbursts like this. And when we talk through each of these wide receivers, we have McLaurin, who is just the fantasy wide receiver 31, despite Carson Wentz literally being a top five fantasy quarterback. Wentz balling out of his mind means that McLaurin should be like a top 15 wide receiver. The fact that he's wide receiver 31 is concerning. He usually hangs around like a 25% target share area. He's currently at 13%. And again, with all of those options on offense, I don't think we're going to see him hit 25 plus percent. So he's going to be an efficiency guy on like 18 to 21% of the targets. I don't think there's enough efficiency in this offense for him to be a true difference maker in fantasy. So a guy who's probably viewed right now as like a strong wide receiver two that you drafted as a wide receiver two, for me, I think he's probably going to be like a high end wide receiver three the rest of the year. And if you can, you know, sell him for a wide receiver two where you can use him plus a player to get up into a wide receiver two or you know a strong wide receiver like a Mike Williams like a Amon Ross St. Brown any of those guys up top a Waddle I would try and see how much it would cost to make that move I, I just don't really see the upside with Terry McLaurin now I would also take names like Michael Thomas. I would take names like Deontay Johnson, Gabe Davis, all straight up for him. And I would be looking to bundle McLaurin plus for on top of, you know, the Waddles of the world, on top of the Amon Ross St. Browns, the Debos, the A.J. Browns, the T. Higgins, even C.D. Lamb, I think would be a good buy to use McLaurin for. And then we have Curtis Samuel, who leads this group with a 23.5% target share and in 19.4 expected points per game. Expected points just takes into account how many targets did you have, where were those targets, how many goal line looks, how many carries. Based on your volume, how many points should you have per game? He's at 19.4. His career year in Carolina, when he was really good, he was like a top 30 wide receiver. He was at a 19% target share, so 23.5%. So from 19 to 23.5%, and his expected points per game was only 12.9. So he goes from 12.9 to 19.4. 
I think you're playing with fire here if you believe that this is going to happen for the entire season. This is unsustainable. He's probably going to revert back to his normal role. It doesn't mean he's going to be, like, he's probably still going to be a low-end wide receiver three, like a fine wide receiver three. I'm just not sure there's much of a ceiling here, especially given that he's on the commanders. He's fighting for targets with Terry McLaurin. Again, probably a low-end wide receiver three. If I could cash out at a wide receiver three price and use him to get to a CD Lamb, to a Waddle, any of those guys up top, I would look into that. Also, if I can use him to sort of bridge the gap from, like, let's say, Najee to Dalvin Cook, I would do that as well. Then we have Jahan Dotson, and he is the wide receiver 15 right now, despite not even having 100 total yards on the season, and he only has seven catches on the entire season. He has three touchdowns, which are really buoying here, buoying him here. I don't know why that's such a weird thing to say, but it's tough to expect a lot of touchdowns here when, again, he's competing with Logan Thomas. He's competing with McLaurin. He's competing with Curtis Samuel. I don't think that Jahan Dotson is just going to be this like weird red zone specialist. The usage has been not great. The issue with him is, is that the, the hardest part of the NFL is being good, commanding targets, playing with efficiency. The easy part is climbing the depth chart. The thing is with a lot of these players, like a Traylon Burks, right, is they look efficient out the gate, and then they really smash down the stretch once they get to that like 90% plus route participation. The issue is, is that Dotson's already there. He, look at this chart. He's running 100% of the routes. He is running 100% of the routes, and that still only gets him 10% of the targets. He's a 11% target per out run on the year. It's really tough for me to see how this sustains over an entire season. He's not going to score 15 touchdowns, Jahan Dotson. I think it's a mistake to view him as like a startable wide receiver three moving forward. For me, he's a wide receiver four, and I think it's actually, it, it would be close between Jahan Dotson and Traylon Burks. If I had Jahan Dotson and someone offered me Traylon Burks straight up for him, it would be close. It would be just about a coin flip. I do think that Traylon Burks has more upside within his offense. Again, if you can flip him for an Olave, I would do that all day long. I think if I could do Burks, then maybe even just a little little plus on top, I would do that as well. I would also use him to add on to like a Christian Kirk to spend up on a CeeDee Lamb, a Waddle, any of those guys in the upper tier, Amon Ross St. Brown, Devo Samuel, all of those guys. Jahan Dotson, I think he's going to be a fine pro, but in terms of him being a, a difference maker in year one, I don't think I really see it. I, again, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's going to be a wide receiver four. He'll have his boom weeks, but a 10% target share isn't enough, and I'm not sure that he'll ever get past like 15 18% this year. Now, our last sell for today is James Robinson. And again, one that you guys aren't going to like. You, have to, you, have to, you guys have to understand, man. When I pick guys to sell, I have to pick somebody to sell. You guys aren't going to like it. And I know that people in the comments are not going to like that James Robinson's the sell here. But he is the RB6 after a game in which he had 23 carries. He is going to be a hot commodity on the trade, tar or on the trade market. People are going to view him as like a firm, locked-in RB2. The issue for me, and where I'm going to poke holes here a little bit, is that he got 23 carries. He had under three yards per carry in this game, by the way. He had 23 carries in a game that they won 24-0. to Now, this is the Jaguars. I don't think that the Jaguars are going to win games that handedly the rest of the year they're not going to see these game scripts where they can just sit on a lead and run the ball with James Robinson and his role is capped where he is the between the tackles grinder on this team and they're not going to be in that game script very often Travis Etienne for as much as he hasn't looked great and he has been a fantasy disappointment he owns the passing down work he owns all of the third down work he owns all the two-minute drill work James Robinson gets the goal line he gets it between the 20s and when you're not on a team like the Chiefs or the 49ers that's not a very valuable role. 
So if people are ready to crown him as like a firm RB2, like top 15 to like 18 running back, then I think you got to sell. I'd have him probably rest of season more in like the RB30 area, maybe like RB25, RB30, like high 20s, I would say. I'm going to sit down and do my rest of season rankings today, but I don't think I would have him that high. Now, if you have a hero RB team or you have a zero RB team and James Robinson is an every week starter for you, he's a fine hold. Don't go out and sell him. But if you have a deep running back room, let's say you went like double hero RB with like Saquon and Swift up top and James Robinson doesn't have to be a guy you start every week, go out there, see what you can, you know, get for James Robinson. This is him on that trade target, uh, that trade value list from earlier. And you can go out there and according to this, you can sell for, I mean, he's in the area of guys like Gabe Davis, Jerry Judy, Drake London, Juju Smith-Schuster, Hollywood Brown. I like the idea of adding him in a two-for-one to go up there and spend for a Dalvin Cook, a CeeDee Lamb, a Debo Samuel. So again, if you have him, don't just sell it to sell. If he's an every-week starter for you and you're running a Hero RB team, hold on. It's not That's perfect. But again, if you have running back depth and he's more of like a flex starter for you, then cash out now after this big game. Now that's going to do it for us today, fellas. As always, if you want access to my rest of season rankings, that'll come out tonight, or by the time this comes out on Thursday, it'll already be out. But my rest of season rankings, if you want to use it to make trades so you can see, oh, who does Ron prefer between like James Robinson and Travis Etienne? That'll all be on my rest of season rankings. I have all of my premium stuff on the Patreon. You get access to my rest of season rankings, my weekly rankings. You get access to Sunday morning live streams where they're Patreon-only live streams. We talk through start-sit decisions when all the injury data comes out. Tuesdays, you get my waiver wire article. All of that good stuff can be found on the Patreon, patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. Now, if you made it this far, I appreciate you. We're going to come out with our wide receiver matchup video tomorrow. Let me know how you guys like this new schedule where we go running back matchups on Wednesday, trade targets Thursday, wide receiver matchups on Friday. I do like having a little bit of a day uh, a buffer. Those matchup videos are really tough to write. They're like 12 pages of notes for, you know, example, this video that I wrote here is like four or five pages of notes. So it's a lot. I think it'll be good to kind of use this video as a buffer between them so it's not so much. I also think that doing the games before the Thursday night game on Wednesday gives it m more of a shelf life so you guys can watch sort of like the Thursday night part of it for longer than like three hours. If I post it on, let's say, Thursday at like three, the beginning like 10 minutes are no longer useful after like eight hours. So that's a big deal. Now, we're getting into the, the, the nerdy, nitty-gritty of content creation. As always, I love you guys. If you made it this far, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like, and I will see y'all in the next one. I got the juice. I got the juice. Channel, Chatham's on. Foolies glad I'm on. Even my haters kind of glad I'm on. Rest in peace to my vagabond. Rapper song, singer, suspended subpoena from Mr. Meaner.